Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Mosaic Life Podcast. My name is Trey Kaufman, and I have the unique opportunity to speak with people from all over the world who are living their very best lives. If this podcast is just making its way into your life, I would be so grateful if you would share it with your friends. That's how I get to continue meeting new and interesting people and sharing my conversations with them with the world. This is another long one, so I'll keep this short. I only want to say Heath and I have been trying to make this conversation happen for over six months, and believe me when I say it was worth the wait. I know many dream of the freedom of working from anywhere in the world, and that is a dream realized for Heath, and he's got some truly amazing stories from his experiences. Heath Armstrong is an author, the co-founder of Rage Create, and an e-commerce maniac. He is the creator of Sweet Ass Affirmations, Motivation for Your Creative Maniac Mind, several Sweet Ass Journals, and the host of the Never Stop Peaking podcast. After retiring from his traditional career, he has worked location independent in over 20 countries, summited the world's largest freestanding volcano, survived rafting the Nile River, witnessed exorcisms in India, and fallen in love with the culture and experience of East African digital education for children. This was an incredible conversation, and I would highly encourage you to hang out all the way until the end when Heath shares his story about how he was a part of an exorcism in Bali. Please welcome my good friend, Heath Armstrong. Heath, man, I... um. I can't tell you. We've been trying. First of all, we've been trying to have this conversation. Uh, the first email I have from you is from June fifth or twenty fifth, twenty twenty one, and I've been so looking forward to talking with you ever since we first chatted. So I'm stoked that we're able to do this, <laughs> dude. June, you said June fifth before the twenty fifth, and that's my birthday. So I was like, wait, June fifth, my birthday. But well, uh, happy belated, and then you know, the twenty days later, <laughs> we, we spoke. Later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that Man, was before, I, that was on the cusp of the, I was working on that Kickstarter project then. And then the next six months was crazy. It was like, I don't, it was like a blink of an eye to me. It's like, I can't believe it's been that long. I, well, dude, I, um, I, I'm excited to hear about the Kickstarter. Is this, are we talking about the sweet ass, uh, affirmation decks? Yeah, the second version. Yeah, that's that awesome, man. I uh, those those look so cool, and I and I, I apologize. I I wanted to contribute. I I never did. If they're still available, I would love to do so because they they're they're so well designed. And just the the messages on them. I I, I love. Dude, did what I not you're doing send there. you? Did I not send you one of the the decks? N- no, but that's okay. That's all right. How did okay? <laughs> I thought about this a couple of days ago because. I had that note written down everywhere also because I was going to send it to you back then because it was leading up to the Kickstarter launch too. Yeah. But I have I, sw- I have a deck in my closet and I'm going to send it to you because I thought for sure I did that. Do not... The Kickstarter is over. We did... It was insane. It was an awesome project, but That's awesome. I have so many of them here, so... Man, yeah, I would man. be honored. I um, I, I love that, and I now I, I will say I, I did listen to uh, some of the messages on... Because you have a... I don't know if I'd call it a matching podcast, but I mean, you do an affirmation-based podcast as well, or you used to, right? 
Yeah, we have a we have a podcast that's the audio versions of the cards. It's uh, great. power it's sixty second power affirmations podcast. They're like three minute three minute uh, episodes, not sixty seconds because that really kind of messes with your mind right. a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're they're good. It's on you know it's everywhere. But you can get some good good little blasts from that as well. Different mediums. I love that man. You know I um. We were talking about this a little bit offline, and I, I so appreciate the words you said. And you know, if you want to parrot them back, great. But the, but the bottom line is the fact that we're able to contribute positive conversation, uh, positive messages in a world that can be so negative. I, I'm, I'm very thankful for people like you who are willing to have these conversations because while they're probably not, and you know, I can speak from experience, you know, they're not the the most, uh, they may not be the most engaging or the most, you know, in your face. Let's create arguments. Let's, you know, let's let's get as a, a billion downloads because we're cre- creating controversy. They are putting positivity out in the world where I think a lot of people need to hear it. And it's not, I don't want to. I, I try to distinguish it from toxic positivity because I, I think that does exist. But we're just trying to. Pre- promote, you know, good messages or vibes or however you want to say it. And what you're doing is absolutely phenomenal in that sense. Yeah, man. Well, everything is a vibration, right? It's yeah. an energy and every exchange that we have is an energy and, and what you put out into the world really is what you attract back. And yes. this is like one of the, one of the easiest and hardest principles to understand. But I do know in all of my roller coasters of you know, high highs of creativity and happiness and low lows of depression and madness and things like that, that every time, if you can live as an inspiration to, to yourself and love yourself, and then therefore you can live as an inspiration to others who encounter you, then you really truly do live your light and profound bliss. If that's something that you believe in, it can be attained or, or realization, you know, it comes in the form of, of basically service to what is right, right? Not the, not the traditional, uh, excuse me, not the traditional success that a, like a career helps you achieve, if that makes sense. I've been on both sides of that. So we, we have to be very careful to, or, or enthusiastic to enjoy the sparkling lights and the, the fun and the luxury that this world offers, but we can't let that distract us from just being simply relatively, us and then spreading like that happiness because every single one of us are going to be embraced. We're going to be nourished. We're going to be protected if we simply honor this mission to serve each other in the most magical way to serve the earth. Because we have an affirmation card that says, um, because I work for the universe, my retirement plan is lit. (laughs) It's like that simple (laughs) principle, right? It's like, are we folding to the dangers of like, are we, okay, this is dangerous. I'm going to reframe this. There is great danger in playing the part of appearing to be versus just yes. being. Yes. And so that's the that's what I try to go back to every time. I'm like, am I wait, is this me faking? Is this a fake plastic smile to try to make somebody around me like me more? Is this me creating something because I think other people want it? Or is it me creating because I love creating? Yes. Is it me painting because it makes me feel exhilarated? And am I helping to lift others around me up to find those things that they truly love being and being within? Or am I making them feel judged or compared, you know, like, and then making them therefore want to move more towards the appearing to be side of things, which is fucking, it's a giant trap. It's a web of gremlins that will suck you in forever. So 
I yeah, could not agree more, man. That's uh that reminds me of a Stoic quote, and I don't remember which of the Stoic philosophers said it, but quit reading about being a good man and, and be one. Obviously, that can be translated to woman as well. And that's so incredibly important. You can have all these books about you know being the best version of yourself, but if you're not reading them, if you're not instilling them, if you're not picking out pieces that actually work in your life and you're just showing them off as a means to show that you're sophisticated or intellectual, that's not going to do you any good in the long run. And I mean, to your point, I... I've, I've, I've been thinking a lot about this in my own personal pursuits. Why do I do certain things? Why do I do this podcast, for example? It's, you know, it'd be great to to chart on Apple Podcasts uh, alongside Joe Rogan, uh, who's recently fallen out of grace with me, or anybody <laughs> else, or I can do it because I get tremendous value out of having conversations about, about, about people who are with people who are living their absolute best lives. And the fact that anybody wants to listen to this and anybody wants to take a little bit of inspiration from it. It's just that much more value. I came to terms with, and I think a lot of people should, that I'm not going to be the best in the world at anything. And I am okay with that because I'm going to be the best version of myself. I'm going to push myself that much further each and every day. Now, if you're on an elite level and you're you know, playing basketball at 18, 20 hours a day and you want to compete with LeBron James and Michael Jordan, good for you. 99.999% of the people will not get there. They, so they have to understand what they're doing and why they're doing it and make sure that it's for the right reasons. Yeah, I mean, it's always on a level of self, right? It's, it's, a, yeah. it's most of that stems from like those fears, they stem from comparison. And we know that comparison is the thief of joy. Yes. And I always think of this as like, I call it the, the boob of, well, there's a boob of limitation. Let's look at the positive side. I call it the opportunity. There's like the way that I look at what I'm doing and nobody else around is that I I'm concerned with what my self-imposed limits are. And most of the time, those are there because of external factors in the environment telling you, you know, that they have to be there. Things yeah. that we've learned our whole life. Um, if you picture a wagon wheel or a boob, the boob of opportunity, we yeah. should say, uh, there's like the inner circle, right? And then there's an outer circle. And the inner circle is where we kind of have the self-imposed limitations. Mm -hmm. And that's where, that's where we live. Now the outer circle is like physical limitations, like you're talking about with, you know, you can't really get to the point of LeBron James, despite right. how amazing your self-imposed limitations may be expanded. You may not get to that physical limit. I look at that and I think, okay, I mean, most of us live in this really tiny self-imposed limitation circle. How do we push that circle out to the perimeter of where the physical limitations are? And then once we get there, how do we go beyond it? Because the self-imposed limitations, they can be, I mean, they could be anything, right? It can be in confidence. It right. can be society. It can be just anger, fear, judging ourselves for things that we think should be things that we judge ourselves <laughs> for that are just erroneous. Um, you know, self-imposed self limitations, it's like, I can't, I can't, I can't. No, I don't have energy. I don't have time. I can't. Right. I'm not good enough. I can't. And to push those self-imposed limitations to your physical limits, I always think that there's, you know, there's things in between that ocean. There's resistance gremlins, there's fear gremlins, there's hesitation gremlins. There is an entity that is trying to stop you from creating because creation is the seed of everything good. 
It's the seed of life. It's the seed of opportunity. When we create, we destroy fear and resistance. And therefore, fear and resistance wants you to it wants to eat your creativity. It does not want you to move. It doesn't want you to take action. So what can you do to push yourself and pose limitations to the physical limits? And this is what I always go back to. I'm like, okay, what am I what am I doing that's feeding these gremlins and these monsters? And like what can I do to push them out, to, to drown them out? And usually that's exploring, right? Yeah. It's you're talking about talking to people on podcasts and how that is epic. It's a miracle in its own way to be able to do that, right? It, yes. it creates things that live forever and, and it changes people's lives forever because these types of conversations change my life forever. And exploring is the way to do that. You're continuously opening doors that always lead to more doors. And like, that's, that's life. Do not get stuck in one spot, staring at your television, eating tubs of ice cream, afraid to go outside because people are telling you you can't because everyone's dying. Like explore, explore, explore as much as you can. And then other, and then there's so many of these that can push the limitations, right? Gift giving, doing good to feel good, creating, obviously taking action, breaking hesitation, making sure that your daily actions are in alignment with your your short-term visions, with your, which were in alignment with your long-term visions and then your core values as a human and who you want to be. So all of that being said, like when you can push yourself and pose limitations to your physical limits and you achieve sort of like this milking of the opportunity, um, that's where you find happiness. That's where you find a path to freedom. That's where you find that synchronization and those weird things that happen in life that you can't explain physically. You can't explain with reality. And I've had hundreds of these miraculous things happen. And I'm like, I have to question my eyes. I'm like, is this real? Is this a movie? Like what's going on here? But that's where they happen. And, and it, it always comes from, you know, exploration. It comes from pushing yes. your limits and that's what you're doing when you're doing these interviews. Man, I love that. I, I it's, it's, I mean, the, the, what you what you said was profound. I, I I really could not add more to it, but I I, I want to talk more about self imposed limitations and so much of that I think has to do with the stories that we've been raised to tell ourselves and societal conditioning. And I I, I know when we spoke previously, which is six months ago, uh, we talked a little bit about alcohol and how we and I want I don't want to speak for you. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Uh, we're alcohol free, and for me. Alcohol was such a limitation on my ambition. I would choose alcohol so many times over set, sitting down and actually doing some work to start a podcast or to start my own business. I, I used to tell myself that I, I could never start my own business because I didn't know how to take care of my taxes as, as a business owner. I didn't know how to write a business plan without knowing that I didn't necessarily need one if I wasn't going to seek funding. And so, so many of these stories and these lies that we tell ourselves, I don't think we're, we're telling ourselves these maliciously. I just think that we are giving ourselves an out or an excuse to not pursue something because we, we just, we, I, I don't know if we're afraid to do the work or if it's just something that, um, we we don't think that we have the capacity of, of pushing beyond that that outer limit, like you mentioned. Yeah, it's it's really a fear of our power more than anything. Yes. Yeah, we're, we're we're very aware of how capable we are. We just don't really want to believe it because we're afraid of failing, and that's what creates these addictions and vices. I mean, I was always nervous, like growing up, especially. Like I wasn't an aggressive kid in sports. Like I'd get yelled at a lot for not being aggressive. And like, I was always shy. I didn't like talking. I'm still very introverted, but I could use all of those as excuses yeah. um, and stay where I'm at, or I can use them as motivation and fuel to move towards higher versions of myself. And you know, we cannot become 
our highest selves or do all the things that we dream of doing by being simply who we've always been and doing what we've always done. And so when I, you know, was waking up face down, pants down in bushes and drinking a liter of alcohol a day and just really sulking in that, I mean, drugs, vices, vices, drugs, like there was a lot of uncertainty in whether I was even going to make it. I didn't know anything about where I wanted to go. I didn't know that I could go anywhere else. And so the beautiful thing now is knowing that like, even if you don't know that there's always a leaf to turn over, there's always a new person to meet, there's always somewhere to go. And there are people out there that are struggling with the same things you're struggling with that have gone through the same monsters and gremlins that you are battling currently. And the support system is miraculously huge. That's the beautiful thing about the internet too, is like you can find so much support with with alcohol, I had magical people come into my life randomly and, and it helped me get through that vice. And, and I was able to fill that time with things that were more in alignment. And what what's crazy about when you get on the other side of drinking, man, is like once you fill that time with other stuff, the addiction actually doesn't want to come back. I mean, like you're like, I'd rather fucking mountain bike. I'd rather climb yes. this mountain. I would rather be in nature. The, the feeling is so untouchable that you don't even think about like, I want to go, you know, just drink every day. It's like, no, that, right. that seems, it seems absurd to me. I get the urge and I, I've been through those like, oh, that drink looks so good. All these right. people are drinking. Right. I want that. <laughs> but it's really about identifying yourself against the monster. And, and this is the, this is what I have found to be a saving grace for me over and over again. And I have this written on my mirrors. I, I kind of have it everywhere. And it's something that my, my girlfriend sort of taught me. And it's just a simple phrase of life force energy. And I ask myself a series of five questions for every single thing that I do. And it helps me remove the choice from life. Because when you give yourself the choice, that's where you get that tension of like, oh, yeah, I want this, but I don't. But maybe this would be better. But maybe it won't. But if, right. I, if I set my parameters as this question of life force energy, I know that it's always supporting the highest version of myself. Yes. And so therefore I don't have to choose because the choice is already made because I know that I want to be the highest version of myself. So the first question that I ask is, is like, is this that I'm considering, whatever it is, is this feeding or is it destroying my life force energy? That's the question. Like, is this going to feed my life force energy, AKA help me become a better version of myself, right. keep my energy up, keep my health up, help me help and inspire others? Or is it going to send me into a delay? Is it going to make me hit a barrier? Is it going to make me pause? You know, like pausing right. sometimes can be good, but you know, it can also be really bad in some ways. And the next one is just like, am I excited about this? Because yes. it could feed your life force energy and like make you happier, healthier or whatever. But like, if you're not excited about it, then it's not ultimately going to get through there long-term. It'll last for a little bit, then it'll, it'll like piddle off. And then it, and then I ask, does it support my visions and my values, you know, as a person and who I want to become, which is also in alignment with, is it exciting and in alignment with, you know, feeding your life force energy. And then the last two are just, they don't necessarily have to be asked, but I ask them for particular reasons for supporting life. And one is what will be the fruit of this labor? You know, like what is the long-term goal here? What am I trying to accomplish by doing this? Because yeah. if there's no fruit, that's okay. Sometimes that, that can be a hobby, right? Like the fruit right. of the hobby could just be the action of doing it. 
Uh, there's a lot of things I do in life that I just enjoy doing because they excite me and they make me feel good and therefore feed my life force energy. But there's no monetary gain. There's no like abundant, you know, bouquet of flowers showing up for it or anything. There's no new friend. So there's all these different ways you can consider what the fruit of your labor could be. And those are different ways to look at abundance coming into your life, which also really helps. And then the last one is just simple. It's just like, is this a hell yes or is it a no? Because there's really no in-between. If you live in that in-between, you're fucking yourself. Like you're, you're just, you're fucking yourself if you're staying in that gray area. So yeah, man, life force energy. Like every time I think about booze, I'm like, I have I'm like, oh, actually, is this feeding my life force energy? No. Okay. What is, oh, I'm going to go on a run, you know, like I'm going to, yeah. I don't know. I'm going to do some like reading. Like I'm going to meditate, do some binaural beats, play my didgeridoo, play some guitar, play some sound bowls. Like I'm going to go meet with friends and have a great healthy time outside. Like there's so many different things. That's incredible, man. I, I, I love all five of those questions. And, you know, I think one theme that I was able to pick out with a few of them, obviously the, this is a hell yes. If not, it's a hell no. Am I excited about this? What are the fruits of this pursuit going to be? I was just having this conversation the other day about our ability to shift priorities and not feeling bad about it. Um, you know, for instance, last year I had a goal of running a thousand miles and I started off great uh, the first Whoa. few months and then, right. And, but I, you know, don't get me wrong. I didn't come close to it, but my priorities shifted. I, I focused much more on mountain biking and rock climbing last year and then running kind of fell by the wayside. And I, at some point I had to realize that I'm okay with this because I'm still doing the things that I love and enjoy. It's not like I'm replacing running with drinking or going out and, you know, eating like crap. I'm actually still doing positive pursuits in my life and they are adding a ton of value. And so I think a lot of times we beat ourselves up for setting a, a goal and then realizing that that goal isn't necessarily going to have the fruit uh, of the of the labor that we actually expected it to or wanted it to. And giving ourselves permission to shift our priorities or life priorities, I think is extremely important. Dude, but in the golden ticket there is that even though you didn't run a thousand miles, you still, would you say 200, 300? I would say between 300 and 400. Yeah. So like <laughs> you still did something like remarkable. Had you have set a goal of running 300 miles, you know, when you hit it, you would have known in your head, like, I really wanted to set my goal higher, Right. but you would have hit that goal and felt like awesome, but you still wouldn't have felt any different than hitting it by setting your goal at a thousand miles. That's because true, man. Like you set your goal high, it, it encourages you to go harder and harder and it encourages you to give it all that you have. It doesn't mean that you have to get to that parameter. That's the beauty thing about, that's the beautiful thing about setting goals is like you can always reorganize them. I set yeah. so many goals that I don't hit on a metric level, but it, I hit it in a, a percentage and then it opens up all these other opportunities. Like you said, you started doing some of these other outdoor things that I would have never expected to happen or I meet somebody or I'm like, holy shit, like maybe this isn't the best thing for my body right now. Maybe I don't want to run a thousand miles because it might be better off for me to be in a boat rowing or, you know, writing a book or, or traveling around. So right. there's always magic and in, in we, you're right. We, we tend to always hug the failure side, the negativity and be like, Oh, I didn't make it. I didn't do it. But the key to life and really everything is just the thought and the feeling of abundance, right? That's what true abundance is. is it's just a thought and it's a feeling. It's right. a, Oh my gosh, I can run. I have these magical legs. I, I yeah. did this much. This is epic. This is what I did. Not, not so much the other of like, Oh, I didn't accomplish it or I didn't get there because when we do that, which most people do, and I did for most of my life, 
you never move forward because you're always holding yourself down. Yeah. You're not good enough. It goes back to those self-imposed limitations, right? So, yeah. yeah, man. And I think you touch on a very, very good point. The 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 fact that I, I didn't run a thousand miles, I mean, it, that shouldn't that shouldn't feel bad to me. I, that whatever I ran was still an accomplishment. And for somebody who's just starting to be active, somebody who maybe sits on sits in a chair twenty hours a day, or you know, spends a lot of time on their couch and are you know, obese or overweight, and they are just starting to realize that they want to have a healthier lifestyle. They don't need to go out and run a 5k right away. They can go out for a walk around the block. And that is a major win. And that should be celebrated as such, as opposed to saying, I, I can barely move. I can barely walk a hundred yards without my knees screaming. Just the very fact that we are making progress towards our goals, that should be celebrated each and every time, which is why I, I do my best to, you know, keep these things I don't know. I want, I don't know. One, I want to portray positivity. I want to, if somebody has a, a goal that may not be accomplishable or accomplishable, whatever, I want to, I don't want to be the one being the naysayer. I have had that in my life before and it sucks because it is so easy to tear somebody down when they don't know how they're going to accomplish the goal, even though they have one. And the very fact that they set it and are willing to make strides toward it, that has to be a win in everybody's books. And I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's incredibly important to me that we celebrate all wins, even if they're outwardly perceived as failures. The fact that we're making progress has to be a win. Yeah, dude. So when I first was like coming out of my drinking hole and like making changes in my life and trying to get out of working in the concrete construction industry and stuff, yeah. I created this journaling system and it was called the sweet ass journal to develop your happiness muscle in 100 days. And there was an AM and PM routine and these were literally just all things that I was starting to do that I was learning from people that I was interviewing that were helping me develop true fundamental happiness. Yes. And one of the big ones that helped so much was celebrating wins at the end of every night. And I wouldn't just like write down the big thing that I did, which is right. epic to do one big thing every day will take you so far. If it's in alignment with who you want to become, like that is one of the most important things you could ever do. Get a note card out every day, write the vision of who you want to become, and then you know, celebrate it when you accomplish it, but celebrating the little things too, man. Like I would write down every single night I brushed my teeth. Like I woke up, I'm breathing again. I have another opportunity at this life. You know, I walked downstairs, I played with my dogs. I cooked three amazing meals or two or whatever. I went like every little thing that I did, whether it was good or bad by society standards, you know, something quote unquote, hard happened or bad happened, I would still write down how I was able to move through it, right? I was able yeah. to witness it, but not react to it. Right. And I would just like review those because before you go to sleep, one of the most important things you can do is clear your mind of all the anguish and stress you have so that you can get yourself ready for the next day. And when you go into your dream world, like you really don't want to have all that stuff either because you're doing work there as well. Right. Right. And so, yeah, just like all of those lists were so, it was such a, pivotal moment in my life to be able to do that. And it also goes back to the, we talked about earlier, comparison is the thief of joy. I remember when you were talking about running, like I remember trying to run for the first time when I was starting to make changes and I was quitting drinking and all that. Yeah. And I got like, you know, 0.2 miles and just like broke down, couldn't do it. You yeah. know, just like heaving 20 something year old kid. Like you think that it would be no problem to run a little bit. I was just like, and it was a big slap. It was like reality. Like, yeah, 
you're not as healthy as you think, you know, like you've been ignoring all of these things. But what I did was I just kept showing up. It was like, you know, go listen to David Goggins talk talk or something like (laughs) just keep showing up and, and doing it. And it's, it's fucking crazy how fast you get better. Like the next day, the next day you're like, you're double, you're triple, like, and it goes. And then all of a sudden I'm running half marathons and I'm like this, I'm sure of it that those running escapades that I had were a catalyst for the rest of the things I did throughout the day that were, that did allow me to quit my job and create businesses and be creative again. And so therefore, when I got in the rut the past six months of the depression, I started running again, man. And it's like, I started with like a half mile and now I'm up, yeah. you know, doing it on trails and like three to four miles and it's epic and I feel great. And I'm like, yeah, this, this is, this is why I did it before. I remember now I'm celebrating this. Dude, that's so incredible, man. I, I have, chills listening to you talk about your experiences with that. Um, honestly, you, you've quoted it, you've quoted him twice. And I, I have the quote on my monitor. I'm looking at it right now. Comparison is the thief of joy, Teddy Roosevelt. And I, I honestly think, and you know, when I say I host a podcast on happiness, naturally the first question is, well, what's the secret to happiness? And it's a silly question in essence, but if I were to really boil down what my secret recipe is for happiness, it's not comparing, it's not comparing myself to others because when I do, I am, I am discrediting all of the things that I've come to accomplish in the time frame that I've been working actually working toward it. Everybody has their own unique experiences and very few people, as we mentioned earlier, actually break through. As long as I'm doing the things that I love and I I enjoy, that is going to add fulfillment to my life. And I I know there are going to be dark days where I have negative self-talk. It's that training that I've been doing over the past five or six years. It's the meditation, it's the workout routine, it's the lack of drinking, it's the healthy eating that allows me to actually rebound and get back on the right track right away. And I mean, it sounds like you were able to, you know, over a period of time, get back there with your running. Yeah, dude, it is. It's training, right? It is training. And it's, and it's, it's being willing to, to do the hard stuff. Like how good are you willing to let it get? My friend, Sarah Seidelman always says, and she has an awesome book called that as well, but how good are you willing to let it get? Like, are you going to show up? Are you going to show up or are you going to treat your body like shit? Because if you treat your body like shit, because it's easier than being healthy, then you're just affirming a lifestyle that makes it easier for you to feel like shit. Yeah. And so when you you can really numb these down to really quick, bold sentences, it's like, oh, fuck, it, this is my own prison that I've created, right? We, there's, of course, the world gives you a lot of excuses to have this prison for lots of reasons, because there are a lot of things that like to feed off your life force energy other than you. Yeah. But you have to make the choice to be the only one feeding it and then be the best you can be for yourself and those around you. And, and that really does unfold into a lot of magic. Yeah, man. Absolutely. You know, what I love about you and what I would have been so incredibly excited uh, or looking forward to in regard to this conversation is, I mean, you may not like this term, I, I don't know, but I, I see you as a digital nomad. You are the person who is living his dreams, working remotely from all corners of the world. And I, I and I, as we've kind of hinted at, it's not necessarily easy to get, to get to that point, but you have done the work and been able to do so. And I don't know, what has your experience been like just being able to travel the world and, and continue to not only make a living, but, you know, see new cultures, see new forms of life, see the, what it's like to actually have the freedom, both financially and from a career standpoint to be able to do this. Yeah, I, I, I believe that submersion in foreign culture is 
by far the greatest form of education that anyone can get because it forces you out of this elusive, this just giant, really elusive, like we grow up in an illusion of what we think the whole world is like based on how our parents raise us, society, politics, billboard, you know, all these things that are around us. And then therefore we, even when we start teaching, we want to teach like how to move forward in those types of worlds. And then you start traveling and you're like, holy fuck, like all this stuff that I've been teaching when I'm sitting in Africa at a, at a school, none of it matters. Like this is not valuable information, you know, like right. this is, and, and it's very humbling. And you realize that like nothing really matters more than sitting around a fire, staring each other in the eyes and saying, I love you and looking at the stars and like, let's see if we can identify this constellation or that. What do you think that means? And having actual real experience around what it means to live, what it means to walk around barefoot in the grass and swim in the rivers and be exhilarated by freezing cold water temperatures and, you know, having your mitochondria go fucking crazy and, and supercharge, you know, like yeah. traveling has been interesting. Like I always had this dream that I wanted to just go out of the country cause I hadn't done that. And so when I was right. 20, Eight, I got to go out of the country for the first time on the on the cusp of quitting my job. I went to Angkor Wat in Cambodia, and something really mysterious happened there. Where like I felt this weird energy. Like you know, this is before I even understood this stuff, and it was like hit me. And then I was like, oh my god, I have to leave my job. Yeah. And then all these other magical things started unfolding in my life. But uh, yeah, I've you know I've I've traveled around and and worked from and lived from about twenty different countries, and that's all in the last five or six years. And of course, not much of that since twenty nineteen. I got right. back from Africa climbing Kilimanjaro, and it was just like this weird world shift. But in that, I was able to do a lot of really deep inner travel, which is also incredible. So that's just back to the idea of like, can we? explore, right? right? Experience and explore the mystery because this world is infinite in opportunity. If you are willing to walk out your door, if you are willing to travel down the street, to call somebody up, to meet them, this is a really cool thing that I started doing, Trey, that you're going to love. Uh, you might find this can really help within relationships too, but you could do it by yourself as well. I call this the jar of surprise. And so I got this big, like, just like a jar. You could like craft it up or make it look cool. Or maybe you have right. like a big goblet or something that you love. And so I have two of them. And one of them is like things that you can do around your area. And if you have a partner, you can both put things into this jar without the other one knowing. So you like write something down, like, you know, let's say ride bikes around the city right. or go to a coffee shop we've never been to or you know, go swim in the river or go find the nearest waterfall and have sex or, you know, take some LSD and run around in the woods. Like you yes. could put anything that you want in this jar, you know, go out to eat in suit and tie. Like, right. uh, and the, the point is like, you're putting stuff in there and then, you know, maybe your partner is, or maybe you're doing it by yourself, but then at least one day every week blocking off time, for at least half that day, or maybe a full day, even if you can, it's even more beneficial to draw something out of the jar of surprise and let it decide for you because uh -huh. it removes the choice, which removes the resistance. So there is no saying no once you draw it. 
it's like, okay, we have to do this, whether it's raining and cold and I have to go find a waterfall. This is what (laughs) the jar of surprise says. And so now I'm doing it. And it's incredible. The magic that unfolds in those situations. And so that that's a habit, right? Like that's one jar, but the more you practice that with your jar, the better you get at leaning into the uncomfortable and the mystery in the world. So that when you're traveling, it's like, you know what? I am going to go in this place that scares me over here. It looks real sketchy. I mean, I wouldn't like, you know, you got to use some sort of logic in situations, but, but like a lot of the stuff that scares us is just an illusion we're creating ourselves. And what's on the other side of it is actually very homey and welcoming and comfortable. Um, and so the, the other jar is just more like, uh, it, it, it just depends on your situation. I live in, a, I, I lived in a van. My van's been out for a while. And so I'm in Chattanooga now. So our jar of surprise has a lot of stuff around this area. And then I have another jar that's like international trips. So we're going to go out of the country. Now we let the jar decide and we'll both drop like random countries and stuff in there. And, uh, that's something that I feel like it's like, you're letting the universe guide you yeah. and you're, you're saying, Hey, I trust you. And when you can trust the universe, magical things happen. And it's it's removing the ability for you to block yourself. So like you have this idea and this excitement that what maybe you want to travel to Ethiopia, you know, but you don't, you know, you don't have the money, you don't have the job, like you don't you don't know what you're gonna do with your kids, or can you get your kids there or like whatever. There's all these excuses you can come up with, and all of them are bullshit because I know people right. that do all of these things with kids and and without money, and you right. know, there's always a way. Um it removes those limitations because you can't like you put it in there out of the excitement. Like, you know what? I'm going to put this in the jar. And when you pull it out, it's like, Holy fuck, I guess we're doing this baby. I guess we're going to save some money. We're going to figure this out because this is where we're supposed to go. So it's like that. And then doing it on a small scale too, like just, just getting better at leaning into mystery. Man, that's amazing. I, I, I promise you, I'm going to create a jar myself and I will send you a picture to prove it. I absolutely love that idea. I, I, you know, it makes me think of when I was a kid, when I used to think I was spontaneous, you know, I used to use that as a selling point of, you know, being a friend of mine, I, you know, having that spontaneity to go out at 1130 at night and just run around the neighborhood, you know, thankfully without the fear of getting in too much trouble, but the, 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 the exhilaration that is there and I, I, I think the best part of that, as you mentioned, was removing the element of choice because we get so caught up in, you know, should we do this? I mean, is it really worth our time? Sticking your hand in that jar with the expectation that whatever is going to be pulled out is what, not only are you capable of doing it within a day, but it's something that you actually want to do. And I, I don't know, man, I I think it's a fantastic idea. Yeah. You want to do it because you put it in there and it's like, it's, and then you may not Maybe you don't want to do what if you're doing it with a partner and they put something in there, but that's cool too, because it's like they want to do it. And of course you want to support your partner and it could be something wild, you know, you don't know. And, and that's every experience I've had with this so far has just been fantastic. I'm like, this is, this is exhilarating. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. Um, let's talk more about inward work and introspection. Um, and I know we talked about this briefly before. If you don't want to touch on it, that's totally cool. But I mean, in regard to, I mean, I'm just going to ask, did I, I've got written down that you tried ayahuasca in Mexico. Is that, is that correct? Oh yeah. I didn't. I mean, I, I guess I don't know how you can really try it. I full blown <laughs> submerged myself let me, in let ayahuasca me re- a few times and lots of other plant medicines. Yes. L- let me re-ask that question. I, in regard to, 
tackling, uh, for lack of a better word, or coming to terms with your ego through your experience with ayahuasca and really coming to grips with who you are as a person. What was that like trying those plant-based medicines? Yeah, I was in a, I was in a, a seven-year relationship and with a girl that I felt like there wasn't a wrong in the world in our relationship. And I really felt like I was on highs. You know, I'd quit my job. I had good cash flow. I had paid off all my debt. I was like nomadic. And I went to Denali to do some backpacking to celebrate like my sort of bachelor party. I didn't want to have like a regular bachelor party. So I went up there and backpacked with just one of my friends because everybody else was like not in for it, you know, trekking around in the middle of the wilderness with grizzlies everywhere, which is got some epic stories about too. But when I got back, I was like so excited to see her and stuff. And it was about a week from our wedding and she just, like I was sitting, she like picked me up and gave me a bagel and like from this place that we love to get bagels and and like didn't act like anything was weird. And then she was just like, Hey, by the way, I'm leaving. Wow. And I was like, what? Wait, what? And I thought like it was a joke. Cause yeah. like I didn't, we never had any communication about this, like nothing. Right. And uh, yeah. And like, she was serious and it, it took me like, all of the mental training that like kind of you talked about earlier, the training is what got me through that. I stayed very right. calm. I meditated. I like just wanted to support her. And, but there was definitely a part of me somewhere that was like, oh, this is going to come back. She's going to come like, you know, somewhere right. deep right. down, like this is going to be okay. Or like um, that, you know, winded up with me opening lots of mysterious doors over the next couple of months. And I was learning how to flow and I was just like on my own, like, okay, well, what do I do now? And, and I had spent some really miraculous time with a guy named Justin Fairman who runs Flow Consciousness Institute. Um, and I think the magazine's called Flow Consciousness. I'm not, it's a really big, incredible publication, but this guy is like, uh, you know, he's like, I, ca- I call him Justin of Nazareth because he's, <laughs> he's on a level, man. Yeah. And like, I've learned so much about being around him just by abundance, frequency, and flow. And so I started sort of saying yes to things that just popped in my life. And I, yeah, I ended up on this farm in Mexico with the most amazing people. And I do want to say that like, you can end up in the wrong place with plant medicine. Right. right. And, and with all of my experience in medicine and even like working, I've worked within medicine ceremonies now in various places with incredible tribes, like Mayan elders. And it, it's hard to even put those experiences into words, watching the right. transformation that people make through these medicines. But um, make sure that you're in the right place with the right people and the right protection. Because when you open yourself up to that much vulnerability and energy, not only can things come in you, but it's not just good and bad. It's not just good stuff that's out there wanting to come in. You know, there's other stuff as well. So you have to have the right people around protecting you and making sure that you're getting the healing that you need. Um, yeah, I, I ended up in Mexico, man. And like a lot of it was based around this dissolution of ego and the idea that I thought that, um, no, I just like the, everything I thought about relationships was turned upside down. It was like really the the very beginning of me understanding that we should learn, unlearn everything that we know. Yeah. Like the only thing that I know is that I know nothing. We should, we should really unschool ourselves. We should really look at everything backwards and stand on our heads and do all these things that 
don't seem like they're in the right order. Um, like there was a lot of things that happened in that ceremony, but ayahuasca, mother ayahuasca came to me and she in particular showed me that relationships are just reflections of ourselves and where we're at. And she, she did this by pulling out, she was a tree. She came to me in tree form, which is a common, you know, plant common theme among people who have ayahuasca experiences. She can come in lots of other ways too, but she came to me in a tree form and she, she pulled out all of these roots, like, uh, in a big line. And I was like looking at her and, you know, this was after a, a lot of other stuff that I did with, with her, but when I finally was ready to like get to this point, she, yeah, she showed me every single relationship that I've ever had in my life and each different route had a person on it. And it was people that I never even remember, you know, like, and in right. this realm, your expansion of your brain is so large that you can hold and retain information at levels that you couldn't possibly when you come back. It's almost like a hard drive that's way too big for this world. When you come back, it's just too small and you can't hold all the information. So when I'm there though, like you have extra senses, you have, it's like I'm able to understand multiple things at once that when in this reality, I would only be able to understand one thing at a time. Well, there's like, you know, all of these relationships and all of these faces and bodies of everyone that I've ever been in a relationship with, not just intimate, but like, relationships and like friendship and like, um, you know, any kind of romance or flirting or, or like uh, creative relationships and like all of these amazing people. And then there was one on the end that was just blank. And, and she showed me like all these people and she was like, look, every single one of these is just a reflection of yourself to help you break through some sort of blockage and move on to the next step. This has to come with dissolution of ego. Like every single time you learn something about yourself and you move through it. And then the next person was your next mirror and there's still more coming and it's going to continue to happen the rest of the, your, you know, your waking world in this life. And I was just like, fuck, you know, (laughs) you can't blame anybody else for anything ever. Right. And I pulled that out and I was like, holy shit, I can't, I can't blame, you know, like I cannot blame other people. I cannot blame the world because everybody is just a reflection of everybody else. Like every time I'm in a confrontation now, I'm looking at it from the top, like a, I try to bird's eye view it and I'm like, okay, this is really triggering me. I'm really angry. I want to break something. Right. Why is this happening? And then I'm like, oh, this is my fault. Like, oh, and I'm not saying like, tell yourself that it's your fault and blame yourself until what right. point you're pitying and like you're, I can't do anything. Cause this is like, you're, you're taking on everybody else's shit. Don't do that. Right. But what I'm saying is like, what did I do in this moment that, that made me feel this way? Because it's yeah. not this person. It's just a reflection. It's a reflection right. of something inside of me, you know? And this person is, is also being reflected from how I'm acting right now. And they're dealing with something inside of them. And it's like, wow, you know, we're all just trying to figure this out. We're all just little babies stuck in these energetic vortexes, like with our hands waving around, like, oh, yeah. like <laughs> trying to, you know, we're trying to cry sometimes. We're trying to laugh sometimes. We're trying to do the baby pose sometimes. And yeah, it was the, it was the catalyst of me understanding that we are so far deeply connected to nature than I would have ever imagined before. And it really set me on a different path in life for sure. My God, man. Uh, that sounds, well, it sounds incredible. Um, that's something I have to digest. I, it's, it's, I, I personally have not had 
the experiences that I've want, why I shouldn't say I have not had any experience with plant-based medicine, but it is something that I've been working myself toward, I guess, from a, a mental or psychic standpoint. And because to your, to your point at the beginning, you have to be ready to experience those things. And you have to know that you have the support system there following those experiences to help you make heads or tails of them. And, and I, I don't know, I mean, maybe you, I don't know if you did or not, but that's just those talk, speaking with people who have gone through these experiences, people who coach through these experiences, it sounds like, you know, this isn't, this isn't just a, a solo pursuit. This is something that you are obviously working through in the dissolution of ego, but also making sure that f- uh, following up with it, you have people who can help make make light of it or understand it. I, did, did, did you have somebody who was kind of at, there at the end saying, Hey, listen, here's what we're going to do now. Or was this all kind of something that you tackled alone? Integration is just as important as a ceremony, if not more important. And what I've understood, cause I'm not going to say like what I think everyone should know because it's right. like everyone, but what I've understood is, is like integration takes a lifetime. Yeah. I'm, you know, that was 2018, the end of 2018 and it's 2022 and I'm still integrating ayahuasca every day. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, yeah, you know, you'll go back and do it in a couple months. So you'll, you'll be right back there. And like, but the shamans aren't going to say that to you because everyone's different. And they're like, the reason that you end up there is because the, the right way is, is by having the medicine call you like, you will know intuitively, this is how you navigate life is your intuition. Like you have the feminine side. It's very intuitive. It wants to play. It wants to flow. And then you have the masculine side that's very realistic and logical. You need to listen to your intuition and then check it with your, your masculine side. Right. Listen to your intuition, flow with it, but make sure that it seems in alignment realistically at the same time. So, you know, I didn't just like, I had been thinking about ayahuasca for a couple of years because I had been interviewing people and reading books about it. But I never once was like, I'm going to force myself to figure this out and find a place. I'm going to get on the internet. I'm going to look this place up because that's not how the medicine works. If you do that, you're going to end up in a bad situation most likely. Um, Maybe not. Maybe it'll be great. Maybe it can work that way. But I mean, I'm open to all of that. If ayahuasca is the one that really is, you know, calling you and that's the way that it gets you to do it. Maybe it does work. But what I'm saying is like, you have to know intuitively that this feels good. These people yeah. feel good. And like, it might be a little scary, but like get on a call with the person at the centers and like talk to them. And there, there was integration after this. Yes. Like I, there was a epic doctor there who owned the medicine farm. And this guy was like, it's just incredible, man. Like he had so much to say. He was very well-trained in mental health. Uh, you know, he was, he actually went to school at Harvard at some time, left the United States cause he couldn't practice certain types of medicine right. that he wanted to practice. And now he's doing just some miraculous things in Mexico, um, taking care of all these people in the villages for free with his mech, with his clinics. And, uh, I learned so much from him and about like the masculine side of life. And that's had nothing to do with the ayahuasca. It was just like another person I met that was like, Oh my God, like I can be a better man. I can like be more. I can lean into masculinity more in a world where they're all like, you can't be a man. You, you know, like this is the the way of the women now. And it's like, no, you, it's a balance, like truly divine women 
need men and they know that and they love men. You know, like there's a balance. If you're a man and you're hating that women have power and you're a woman that you're hating that men have power, then you're just, you're using the opposite energy against yourself. And so like, it's, it's the beauty of union. And like in the ceremonies I was in, you know, there was, there was a husband and a wife that were, that were shamanic together. And they had a little boy who was there and he was like a little Mowgli. Like the kid was just reading books like on Iowa. It was, it was insane. And they're, they're singing in harmony and flutes. And like, sometimes the feminine energy helps you sometimes the masculine and, it's really magical. Um, but there is a lot of integration and I cannot stress how I've seen, I've been a part of medicine ceremonies after that through, you know, whether it be Tio Nanacatl, which is like Mexican psilocybin ceremonies or, uh, combo, you know, which, oh, what a powerful, powerful detoxification and magic medicine that is. But, yeah. um, I've seen them go bad, man. I've seen, there be a lack of integration and I've seen it really fuck people up for a long time. And when you're on your own and you just had your world rocked and it's like, it can, yeah, it can take years to re to recoup like what that means for you. And, and maybe that's what you needed because some paths are like that. And I feel like I've experienced that somewhat in some ways and I've learned from it, but it's so much better to have the right people around you in the right space and knowing that you're going to have integration. And, and the only way to truly do that is through talking to people that you trust and love that have had a similar experiences and also following your intuition. That's amazing. I, I, I love hearing that. And I love the point you make about your willingness to, I guess, embrace other sides of yourself that you, we, we, I, I that you're typically told to rebel against. I mean, I, I through a lot of these conversations, I have, I guess I, I've learned to embrace a little bit more of my feminine side, as you kind of pointed out. And so much we read on the internet or whatever, you know, community or tribe we find ourselves in, they, they can, there's the danger of telling you how to think and how to feel. And if we can open up to other areas of our life, other parts of us that we didn't necessarily know were a possibility, I think there's so much growth opportunity there. Like, like you just mentioned that I, I, I loved hearing how you were able to embrace that and, you know, integrate it uh, through your experiences. Yeah, man, I still do it every day. <laughs> I'm just learning every day. Yeah. Uh, one of the quotes that came like to me, soon after that was a John O'Donohue quote. And it was, um, may the sacredness of your work bring healing light and renewal to those who work with you and those who see and receive your work. And it was like this, just, I walked out of the, like that first ayahuasca ceremony with this like, kind of new vibration of like, this is sacred for the first time. I felt like, Oh, this is all sacred. Every breath we have is sacred. We, we, I really need to pay attention to the sacredness and like, say hello to the trees because they do have energies. And when you go into that realm, you see that everything is interconnected and you can engage in conversation with anything, anything, like everything is there. It's all one and it's all talking to you. And, and you're part of that. And one of the biggest mistakes we've made as humans is thinking that we're separate from nature. I mean, the, the Webster dictionary literally says the definition of nature legitimately says something crazy, like everything except for humans. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like it really says that if you look it up, it yeah. says ex apart from humans or except from humans. And I'm like, this is not, this is not true. Like putting a rubber, you know, 
pad between our shoes and the earth, it doesn't help. Like this isn't true. We are part of this and, and we are connected. And so it's like this unlearning and then a, a sort of relearning of all the senses that we once had that we, we kind of get numbed down throughout our life. You know, I do think when we're babies, like I was at my friend's house the other day and they had this little baby and her name's pepper and I'm watching her like, Oh, this, this baby is, she has no filters, like no fake plastic smiles, no, you know, no fear. She's just happy or she's sad. She's just a vessel of emotion based on what she's experiencing and she's experiencing everything. But then you think about how the babies evolve and it's like, okay, and now there's school and now there's, you know, you have to learn to do it this way or that way. And now you have billboards and marketing and social media targeting you with ads and you start to become what these other things are telling you to become, whether you think that you are or not. And then all of a sudden you've, you've stacked so many layers upon yourself that you forget those magical original senses that you had to just want to be electric, to just want to create, to want to play and to be natural. And so it's like, how can we move through life peeling back those layers to become that like prime little baby self again? I love that, man. Um, you know, do you, so do you, I guess, uh, in relation to that or in direct regard to that, do you fancy yourself a, a, a sport climber or do you do it more casually? I'm just curious how, how much climbing you do. And there's a point to me asking this question. Well, I did a lot of mountaineering and I mean, okay. by a lot, I mean, like I hadn't done any until I moved to the Northwest in 2016 and then I started and I fell in love and I was learning like, so I wouldn't necessarily call it, I mean, I did it for I guess meditation more than sport, but also sport. But I wasn't like, I'm, you know, like the term sport climbing sometimes pulls in sure. this idea that it's like all I do. But I, no, man, I was just like, I love the Cascade Mountains and I was climbing. I was like, I like summiting mountains and ice. Like, I like yeah. ice climbing with crampons and with, um, you know, uh, fuck brain, brain fart, man. Um, ice picks, ice axes, yeah. like, so. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, and I asked that question cause I'm just, I'm curious, do you know Tommy Caldwell? Caldwell? Sounds very familiar. So he, he was, uh, I, he, he was the star of did the Don Wall. No, he did not die. Uh, that was somebody else who was an al- alpinist, um, who I, I can't remember his name, but no, Tommy, Tommy did not die. And I, I bring him up specifically because in the film, The Dawn Wall, uh, yeah, it goes into film. It is. It absolutely is. And it goes into his childhood and how from the time that he could barely walk, his dad was taking him up ridiculous mountains that I would be afraid of climbing today. And I I think about that often. I, I doubt at this point in time I'll ever be a father, but I, I do have two young nieces. And just thinking about how you choose to raise your child, obviously to each their own, but Tommy, you know, growing up probably around the same time I was, didn't have necessarily access to technology, but instead of being predisposed or uh, being distracted by a cell phone or a Game Boy in that era, he was out on the wall doing these incredible things. And mm. that's just, that's the mentality he still has today. And I, I, I think about that often because I, not, I don't necessarily wish that I could go back and have that same experience, but I love how he, from a very young age, was connected to nature and that has become who he is to this very day as, as a man himself. And I don't know, I, I absolutely love that because it's so pure and it's so natural. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you combine your intention and your attention, it creates this, this magical, like just cosmic bond that can really lead you to some really deep places. I mean, people, 
people that spend their entire life like going hard on something, that's that's realization, right? Like that's yeah. complete dissolution of ego. That's that's Ramdas. You know, yeah. that's Jesus. That's it doesn't always have to be sitting and meditating. Like some people get there by climbing. Some people get yeah. there by running. Some people get there by writing. You become better and better and better. And, and the other beautiful thing is like, it's also okay to do hundreds of different things in micro, you know? Right. And like, it's not, you don't, may not want to go completely deep in something for the rest of your life. You might get bored and then want to try something else. And that's cool too. It is, yeah. it is fascinating. You know, like those people, uh, what was the other, there was another climbing movie about that kid in Canada who, I mean, he was a yeah. free climber, like absolutely yeah. insane. Um, yeah, that's that's the one who passed away. Um, I can't remember his name, but the film was called The Alpinist. Yeah, the Alp dude. So, like, when I was watching him, I'm like, he's just part of the rock. You know, he's yeah. part of the ice. Like, there's no way to physically explain how he can do what he's doing right now. He's literally doing what anybody anywhere would say that's impossible, but he's doing it without ropes because he becomes he mastered the idea of becoming part of the rocks. And also because his parents, they didn't make him do anything else. They were like, you love this, you do it. They supported him and he did it. Yeah. And he was just like, he had all of that support. And yeah, I mean, he fell. Right. He kind of probably knew he was going to fall, but it, like he said in the documentary, it was worth it to him. Like yeah. the, it was worth it. He had already accomplished everything that he had ever imagined. Like he didn't, he didn't worry about that because he, he had been to such highs he knew what was next. Like, think about, I, I can't even imagine what kind of highs that he experienced doing that kind of stuff. He probably went into so many different realms that, you yeah. know, it's confusing to even understand you were in this realm anymore. <laughs> like, yeah, so, I, yeah I, I can't imagine. And it was watching those films. I don't know why climbing in particular really gets me as I, as I watch those films, but they're just, they, they are so, for lack of a much better word, motivating. And really they, they, make me feel like I can strive to do more. And I, I, I love tapping into that. Um, man, I, I know we are running the risk of running super long here, but I would kick myself if I didn't ask about your experiences in Indonesia, uh, when you were witnessed, when you witnessed exorcisms, because I know we spoke about it before and I was fascinated oh, by shit. it. I've actually really been super excited to ask you about this. So if you don't mind sharing <laughs> some of that, I would love to hear it. Yeah, this will be fun to go down that thought process again. I'm working on a book right now that like I'm working on two of them, but one of them is, I don't know if there's an audience for it, but it's like all of these crazy stories I have and synchronicities with it. And so that would be like, there's a lot of stories that lead up to that one. And then there's that story. Uh, I have to tell you at some point on the climbing topic, I don't know if we talked about this or not, but I was on Mount Rainier one time and my climbing partner fell in a crevasse. Oh, so that yeah. was like a good two hours of intense uh, yeah. meditation for me holding his weight while somebody else was trying to rig up a pulley because I wasn't tied in, you know, like you're right. not attached to anything except for the person and like they right. fall, then they can pull you in and it was a whole thing. But, oh man, um, Indonesia. So I, I went to Indonesia with a group. It was like an entrepreneurial, uh, adventure. There were a lot of magical people there, but it, it felt like at this event, there was a, slow like remember have you ever seen the movie the shining yeah, yeah. like where everyone just slowly goes mad or whatever yep. i feel like that was kind of happening and bali's weird it has like these weird energy grids where like sometimes 
you feel like somebody's just draining your life force energy. And then you could go like three feet to the right and it feels like you're just fucking, you know, just recharging your life force energy to the sky. So there's a lot of people that go to Bali and they're like, stay there in those grids. Sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. And these are things that you can't really understand until you start experiencing the weird synchronistic ways the world works with different types of energy. You know, I was the person at one point in my life who thought meditation was bullshit. So like I would make fun of people who meditated and, and once I started experiencing things, like there's no going back. I was open to experiencing things and then therefore it started happening. But once you have one experience, there's no going back, you know? So like this experience you know, as I tell a story, there's, there might be people who like, there's no way that that happened, but I assure you that it happened. And, um, so I, I went to this event and after the event was over, a lot of us went to rent another house and stay for a while. And I was with this really magical girl. Her name was Kenlin. I met her at the event, started dating her a little bit. Um, she was kind of like, her energy was like, man, it's like the baby in the Incredibles. It's like she had all this power. She didn't even know how to control it. But like she was very in tune, very sensitive. People that are really empathetic feel a lot more and are more likely to, and women, you know, are generally more empathetic than men, but are more likely to experience the supernatural type world. Yeah. Because the more empathetic you are, the more sensitive you are to the energies. And then therefore you can kind of experience it. But I'm pretty empathetic for a guy And the more you work on yourself through meditation and mindfulness and dissolution of ego, the more you're going to open that up. And she was just like a 10 X level for me. Um, So like everything, and and not only was I with her, but I was with another girl, Holly, who, who is just on another, just another level as well. And then Manuela, who was a, this girl's story was crazy. She's a shaman, but she, she, as a child was, she grew up in Colombia but they took her as a child when she was like 10 and they beefed her up with Iboga and threw her in the desert like multiple times. And, you know, Iboga is a plant medicine. It's a grandfather plant medicine that is in, not something I've ever experienced. I've, I've had right. some, uh, leave, uh, oh man, I, his name. I think his name is Levi Barker. He runs the Iboga wellness Institute in Costa Rica. I've had him on my podcast before and talked about Iboga and it's, it's a really fascinating episode. Um, but so dude, they just gave this girl that at like 10 years old and threw her out. And so like before she was like 15 or 16, she had already got to this energetic level of never, she's already beyond needing to take psychedelics. If that makes right. sense. Like, right. Right. It's like the story of Ram Dass with Maharaji, uh, you know, his Baba, when he first found him, Maharaji, Ram Dass had all this LSD with him out there and he left it in his car and he went to go meet Maharaji. He was skeptical of Maharaji and, and, and he was like, his name was Neem Karoli Baba, but they call him Maharaji also. He was like, you have something for me. You know, it's in your car, bring it to me or whatever. And he's like, well, uh, so he goes and gets the bottle of LSD, like a whole shit ton of LSD and takes it up to him. <laughs> and he just eats the entire thing and doesn't change because he's on that level. Right. And right, that blew right. Ram Dass's mind. He was like, oh, Oh, so there are people that are beyond this effect of psychedelics. They they live in that, you know, in their own energy. They're that sensitive. So Manuela was one of those people. And I'm with her and I'm with Kenlin and like Holly, these like, and we're, we're going to this house with all these other people who aren't quite so open or, you know, they could be, there was a lot of masculine figures there sure. and there was other things. And 
all this crazy shit just started happening there. Uh, first it started as just a chaos of like, Manuela was like, Hey man, uh, there's some really weird energy in here. I think we should leave soon, like tomorrow or the next day. And I was like, Oh, you know, yeah, it'll be all right. We're only going to be here for a couple of days. She's like, no, like, I don't think you understand. And I was like, okay, well, you know, we'll stay like at least tonight or whatever. And we didn't have a, a Kenlin and I didn't have a room booked there. We would just showed up and we're like, Oh, we'll sleep right. on a couch or something. But when we did that, all of these people that were like super great people, nice, loving people, they started fucking losing it, dude. They were just like angry and like they were getting violent about the fact that like Jeez. people were there that didn't prepay for rooms and all this shit. Right. And like they started all fighting with, with each other in this weird manner. It just felt very dark. I was like, what's going on here? Like, this is very weird. And Manuela left. She's like, I'm not staying here. And, and Holly like went in this room she was staying in and like locked the door and like didn't come out. And I kept trying to talk to her and she's like, I just don't feel good. And I was like, what is happening? You know, like, and so all these people start fighting with each other over these rooms. We're like, we're going to sleep on a couch. But then everyone goes through the night. Like some people left because they were so pissed off. Yeah. We stay the night up on this couch. Everything felt fine for us, but we cut down the stairs the next morning and like everybody's even more sick and mad. People are crazy, dude. Like, and, and I'm like, this is, I don't know what's going on here, but I'm starting to feel it. Right. And we walk, we're walking around and I see this door and it's up by the front door and I go and open it. And it's like this full fucking like master suite room that nobody had <laughs> claimed. Like all these people were fighting over not having a room. And then there was this, imp this extra room the whole time. That's the funniest thing ever. Right. And I'm not even thinking about like, why did no one stay in this room? Right. But I'm like, oh, sweet. There's an open room and everyone left. So now we can sleep in this room. So like we move our stuff into that room and about six o'clock that night, Holly's still in her room with the door locked. And I'm like, she's not okay. I and mean, she's like, I don't think I need to be here. Like quit, like stop, it's like not, it wasn't her dude. You know, like it right. wasn't her. Right. Everybody else had left the house and was gone out like to do dinner stuff or whatever. And I... I'm with Kenlin and she starts like having these like panics, like uh, something doesn't feel right. Something doesn't feel right. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, well, let's just like sage the place. <laughs> like what, what kind of like <laughs> things can I think of that may make sense in a spiritual reality of like spiritual as fuck. Let's get some sage out or whatever. And, you know, I'm just, we're saging this room or whatever. And she's like, I don't want to sleep on the bed. Can we get them like, she's like, something is weird about that bed and, and we're in this room. And so there's, if you, if you're walking in the door of the room, there's a bed about mid room, the, the room's really long. So you're like looking right. back a far ways. There's a bed in the middle of the room. There's a window across from it. And that window looks out to the front of the house. And then there's a bathroom in the back with a shower and a toilet. And that window looked out to like, um, like a walk up to the other side of the house. And so she's looking at the bed and she's like, weird, being kind of weird, dude. And I was like, uh, okay, well, I'll just, I'll go get the mattress that we slept on from upstairs. It was like a pad and I'll right. put it on the floor in here and we can sleep on the floor. She's like, yeah, that would feel a lot better. It's like 6.30 or 7, although it is getting dark, but like it's pretty early. But she's like, we need to lay down. And I'm like, I'm just trying to help her in any way that yeah. I can. And I'm like, I don't know how to handle this energy stuff, man. I, I'm like... I'm going to be a, a rock if I can, but like, I don't fucking, this house is freaking me out, man. And 
So I'm laying with her on this, we turn the lights off and we have the door shut and nobody's at the house. And, um, all of a sudden, like I'm laying there and I'm not like, I'm not asleep, but she kind of falls asleep on my shoulder. And then we just hear this, like this fucking, it felt like a, um, it almost felt like, I don't know when you watch like game of Thrones or something when like the war is about to start and there's mm-hmm. like the trampling of all the horses coming in and it gets louder and louder. There was like yeah. a noise like that, like just started coming in and it, like you could feel the intensity getting more intense. And then it was just like, and then it was there. And as soon as it got there, she fucking shoots up like watch, like it's like you're watching uh, uh, the exorcist. That shit used to freak me out as a kid, but like, <laughs> she shoots up like straight up, like from a laying down position, she sits up like immediately and then just looks at me and her eyes are like, super she had dark brown eyes anyways but they looked really dark and she was just like and she was in a shock she was just like like she couldn't move she was like trying to talk to me and i was like what the fuck is going on you know and it felt like something was just like holding her in place and at the exact same time this is where it gets really fucking crazy the shower like the shower turns the head starts spraying water not just in the shower but it's spraying it so hard that it's going out of the um it was like a glass wall over the top of that towards the toilet and the toilet, you know how a toilet sounds when it runs? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It starts running and the light, dude, the fucking lights go on. Like the lights turn on. They're not like, they're not, um, flickering yet, but they started right. flickering. Right. The one in the bathroom started flickering about two minutes later. And so I'm trying to witness this as I'm like, am I awake? Is this, am I going fucking crazy? This girl is like in a trance, the lights, the showers are spraying or whatever. And I, I, I have a, I kind of freak out and I'm like, I got to get a hold of these like shaman people. Like I don't like shamans can take care of this. Right. Or whatever. Right. So I'm like trying to use my fucking SIM card to call, uh, Liz dude, who, who, by the way, you should interview this girl because she's an extreme athlete. And she, she has a lot of different records. She's a mountain biker. She owns like the women's record for the Arizona trail speed. Also like pack, like rafted across like Pat or Pakistan and mountain biked across. Dude, Liz Samp. Yeah. I'll introduce you to her. She's epic. Please. And she always shares with her audience, which is pretty big. Like she has a lot of followers and stuff. So it's cool. Um, That's awesome. But, and you can ask her about this, but she comes, I had to call her and she gets back and then she has to clean Kenlin up and like this wasn't it's not like so we got her outside and laid her down and she sort of explained what was going on by this time Kenlin had come back a little bit but Liz you know did some shit with her out there that I wasn't watching but it was like yeah you know there's stuff in it. and then they of course they tell me like uh yeah you know it was just you know it was, it was just a little bit of like what, are you, what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about like come in here like look at this yeah. and like so of course when the water stops running and the lights stop flashing, there's no, there's nothing I can do to show, but here's, here's where we got like the, other than her being, I've seen some exorcisms, like legit ones where they're like right. screaming and like, it's not cool thing to be around personally. I'm sure. Enjoy seeing them. But Kenlin's was pretty light, but the story that comes with it is kind of crazy. But the next, the next morning, like, so obviously we didn't sleep in that room that night. Right. Um, and I started thinking like, well, no wonder nobody found that room. Like <laughs> it was like putting off this energy and everyone's intuition was just like, don't go in that door. But I'm like, yeah, let's go in that door. Right. Um, the next morning, dude, 
we went in there and like we were showing and telling the story to some other people that were staying there and the bed that Kenlin said she didn't want to sleep on was covered in like hundreds of thousands of white bug like eggs oh like these God. little white egg things i like i'm not i don't know how to explain they the only thing they looked like to me were like maggot eggs or something like right, i don't know the right. whole bed and it was fucking freaky. Like she, I called the Airbnb staff and they had to come and they were looking at it. Like, what is like, they like, they were like, we watched these, you know, two days ago. Like what? And like, I'm looking at the ceiling. Like, could they come from the ceiling? Like, how did they get here? It was fucking crazy. That's insane, man. Oh, I got goosebumps. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, I, uh, so things can come into bodies basically and like be ready for it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, all right, next time I uh, I travel, man, I'm gonna I, I might need to need to bring you along to have that you know that 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 little added sense of security that you've been through all the shit before. So that's that's <laughs> absolutely crazy. It wow. is, dude. I have I have I have so many stories that are like similar to that. You know, not exactly the same, but but similar. Not all bad. Some of them are like really right. positively great versions of energy exchanges. But well, yeah. All right. So every that, little one, a- it's like whoa. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to, I mean, I, I, I see no reason not to have uh, another conversation with you sometime soon, man. I, I, I can't express how awesome this has been. And uh, I, your experiences are, are I don't want to say envious. I don't like that word, but I, I, it makes, I mean, going back to toward the beginning of the conversation, it makes me want to push outside my comfort zone, push toward those preconceived notions of limitations just a little bit further. And I mean, this really has been this has been a great conversation for me to, to start thinking about though. So I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, we're all just collectively on this creative journey together. So anything we can do to inspire and, and help each other walk through that mysterious door, it's beneficial. I, I would have never thought if someone would have told me that story when I was like 22 and just like pounding beers every day and, you yeah. know, being whatever I was doing, playing video games, eating pills. Yeah. Um, I would have just thought it was like something they got out of a fucking book or a movie or something and been like, yeah, you know, whatever. But then (laughs) the universe had different plans for what I was going to experience. (laughs) And like I said, once you start experiencing wild things, um, they don't stop. Honestly, they don't stop. And it's magical. It's, it's really cool. And I'm excited for you to, to do that. I'm yeah. And I'm, I'm excited for it, man. Um, I, I appreciate it. I, I appreciate everything. Um, before I let you go, I I do have a few closing questions that I want to ask you. And, uh, you know, the first of which I'm always curious to ask, uh, especially when people come from different paths and backgrounds, you know, what what resources are you looking for, uh, right now to continue your personal growth? Like if somebody across the world is, or even across the U S is hearing this and they say, I want to help Heath out. What is it that you're looking for to continue your journey? Oh man. So in business, I am looking for, I'm looking for ways to expand like physical distribution of our affirmation decks. Cause we've done a really good job digitally. Like, um, I mean, although we're shipping physical copies, but like getting presence digitally, when I look right. at like my highest impact in the world, it's getting the magical messages on these cards out to as many people as possible. And like thinking about how there's 15 to 16,000 decks floating around in the world already and each yeah. one of them has 60 cards. And if you do the math on that, there's almost a million cards of little positive notes floating around the yes. world. That is like something that my wildest, 
you know, child self could have never dream would have been possible for myself to, to make and put in the world. But now I'm like, okay, how do I take it to the next step? How do I get them in stores? How do I, like, I think the product is, is, is magical enough to do that. So I'm looking for that kind of information business. And then personally, it's like, um, I would say, Hmm. I've been really interested in like foraging and like, you know, mountain biking help. Could you, I, I could use some help with picking out a mountain bike tray. You know what I nice. mean? Like, um, yeah. these are things I'm like, I have a, re- I have an outdoor company with my sister called relief outings and we take people out and do adventures and we're always trying to add on different things, you know, like rock climbing or people that are really yeah. good at mountain biking. Like right now we do a lot of backpacking and we rent cabins and we go on little hikes and stuff, but uh, we would like to grow that out in the future. So I think anybody who has any sort of outlet for what they love doing outside and wants to be a part of that, you know, hit us up because we like to collaborate with events and like, I don't know, it's just fun to connect in person and do things outdoors with people and get people outside that have never been outside and show them how how magical it can be. That's amazing, man. I, I, I love that pursuit too. I mean, I think a lot of times when people think rock climbing or mountain biking, there's just two examples. You think to the extreme, you know, uh, going off massive tabletops or climbing 1500 foot exposed faces, you know, on lead. And it's just, you don't have to do these crazy things to get acclimated into a sport that you can fall in love with on a casual level. So no, I, it's, I love there's that so many beginner steps. Yeah. 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 I'm absolutely. still a beginner, you know, like in everything, like just like, yeah, this is our out. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you got it. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, my next question for you, I'm super curious about this. If you could name a book, any book that has just had a profound impact in your life, what would it be and why? The Immortal Self, Aravinder Himadra. Um, in short, so Justin Fairman, Justin of Nazareth that I mentioned earlier, yeah, he gave me this book because he gets all these books sent to him via you know, people wanting him to feature them in his magazines right. and stuff. And he said that he was like, I was with him in Bali and he was like, dude, he asked me that. He asked me a question, like what something similar to the one you just asked. Yeah. And at the time I was responding with like press field books because I found a lot of right help right, right. with like vo- finding voice and overcoming resistance with Stephen Pressfield. But, and he was like, dude, I like have all these books that are just sitting in my place. And like this one just kept like getting bigger and more colorful and louder and bigger. And just like, I couldn't stop looking at it. So I read it. And then he's like, I think you need to read it. And I was like, Oh, okay. So I did. And then it was fucking nuts. Like I, it's, I'm not going to like tell the story of the book, but Arivinder Hamadra was a guy who got called to a sort of hero type journey, um, to follow his intuition. And so he just started following his intuition and like, it led him on this crazy journey to, meeting up with monks in caves in the secret valley of the Amarta masters in the Himalayas. And, and it's all the information that he learned while he was there. And it's crazy. Like when you read the book, you can feel the power and the magic that it did not come from somebody's creative imagination. Like he was there, you know, like this is stuff that is being channeled from something that's like, Whoa. So what's wild about it is I, I was telling my acupuncturist, Danielle, who also, had, I had experienced a lot of magical things with this woman. Like she told me one day when I was doing acupuncture that I would, if I opened my other eye, I would start seeing things that I never saw before. And I had to really contemplate on that. But that exact day 
I saw a green orb and then all these crazy things started happening. I'd never seen an orb before. It's still the only one I've ever seen, but it was the craziest yeah. experience. Like, what is that? And it was like right after I left this apartment that I was about to move into and the apartment number was 66 and I was 33. My dog was three and she was born on March 3rd. The license plate that I just got had a triple six in it. And we were right across from pub 33 and the orb was right above that. And I was like, oh my God, wait, what is happening here? Like, <laughs> And I ended up moving into that apartment on the intuition of that sighting, right? So yeah, yeah. I start telling Danielle about this book and she starts to take over the story and telling me about it and how her friend, like she's telling me about her friend who did all this stuff and his story was exactly the same as the book, but it wasn't the same dude. Yeah. And the funny thing about her was that she also followed her intuition and ended up in Nepal with monks who one of them taught her, basically told her like, you're supposed to do acupuncture. And she's like, really? Taught her acupuncture and then sent her back to the United States, and what, which is the reason why she had a practice. She then rode her bike from Maine to Oregon and set up her practice. And that's why she was there. So it was like, she was telling me what an experience of somebody she knew, which was very relatable to her experience, which is also the same experience that was in the book without all of the you know messages yeah. that come with the book. But like, that was when I was like, oh my God, this is the most impactful thing I've ever read because it's, it's not just representing a book, it's representing life path of yeah. lots of people that most of us don't know anything about. But there have been so many people that have taken this, this sort of creative hero's journey, whatever you want to call it, following their intuition and opening doors that lead to more doors that lead to more doors. And most of us, they're not going to put them on CNN or Fox. They're not going to tell you about right. this miraculous stuff that they did or this nonprofit they created or all these people they helped, but they're there and they're yeah. all around you every single day. Every time you walk to the street, every time you go to the grocery store, there's some type of miracle near you. And so it opened my eyes to that. I was like, man, this is, this is just, this is life. Like this is the path. How do we walk it? So you can ask yourself that question every day. How do you walk this? How do you walk this sacred path? That's an incredibly powerful question. And I, I think about my own life and how I've been so conditioned to, I mean, the world I, I see, I'm looking out a window right now and just car after car drives by and we're all so, con all so consumed by technology. And we think that life is a certain way in which we've been living for 10, 15, 30 plus years. And it's, it's, Having conversations like this helps me remember that something else exists, even if I don't know it, hopefully yet. But it's it's so powerful to be able to share your experiences like that, because if we can open just a few more eyes and then more people can experience that. I, 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 I love that, that you shared that story with me. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's exciting. Um, oh, the magic we will make. Absolutely. All right, man. My last question is if you could leave the audience with one call to action that you live your life by, or you ask other people to live their lives by, what would it be? Feed your life force energy, write it on your mirror. Like just, just write the question down on a note card, write it on your calendar, write it on your window. Is this feeding my life force energy? What am I doing to feed my life force energy? How am I feeding my life force energy? That's, I think, the simplest place to start because it removes the choice and it will certainly lead you to a better version of yourself. I love that. I love yeah. that, man. 
Heath, uh, I, again, I can't thank you enough. Uh, if people would like to find you online, I know there's a, a, a thousand places they can find you. What's the, what's the best place for them to connect with you, uh, to learn more about you, to check out uh, everything you've got going on? Yeah. HeathArmstrong.com is my hub. RageCreate.com for affirmation cards and, and stuff like that. I've actually started doing this weekly newsletter called The Heathen, which I love, uh, where I send out short blasts of creative inspiration and other deep thoughts that they're very quick, but also they're deep and they can be witty. But uh, yeah, every Monday I do that. So if you're interested in learning some of the wild things in my mind that I think might unleash some wild things in your mind, you can check that out at heatharmstrong.com as well. Perfect, man. I will absolutely sign up for that. And dude, again, thank you so much. Um, uh, we absolutely have to do this again. And I, I mean, hopefully at some point in time, we get to actually meet in person. I, I can't, again, thank you enough for sharing all of this with me and for just having this conversation. It is my my honor, my pleasure. Thank you for for pulling me out of the hole in, in the way that you did, man. And um, you really, when you were talking about like traveling, like I would totally go somewhere with you if you, if you schedule a trip and, or like do outdoor stuff as well. Yeah. Um, I'm all over. I can't wait to get my van back. And then it's like, like, let's not just say that, but actually make it happen. Absolutely. Um, where are you located now? You're did you say Tennessee? Yeah. I'm in Chattanooga for, okay. I rented a house here for a year, but I'll be nice kind of traveling places from here as a hub. All right, man. Well, we will make that happen. Um, and I, I look forward to it. I, again, thank you. Yeah, man. Peace. Once again, I want to thank Heath for joining me on the podcast. This conversation has left me with an extreme sense of wanderlust, and I'm hoping there are a few others who feel the same way and will take this as motivation to travel and experience life to the fullest. If you would like to learn more about Heath, please check out the show notes at themosaiclifepodcast.com. Connect with Heath and check out his sweet-ass affirmations deck. If you enjoyed this episode of the Mosaic Life Podcast, and I certainly hope you did, you could do me a huge favor by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That goes a long way in helping others just like yourselves discover the conversations we have here. And of course, thank you so incredibly much for taking time out of your day to listen to the podcast. It means the world to me, and I hope it's continuing to bring value to your life. Until next time, take care. Do better and be well. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.